Dolomiti Sound Stories Io mi chiamo Ulrike Kindl, sono nata a Merano, di tradizioni tedesco-tirolesi, famiglia di antica stirpe. I grew up in Alto Adige. Dopo la maturità andata, come si suol dire qua in Italia. After I finished school, or matured, as they say here in Italy, I went to study in Venice and I've had an interest since I was a child for this extremely complex area of different cultures. Alto Adige, South Tyrolean Latin area, a land not to forget about. Coming into contact at such an early very early age with the Latin culture was a gift from destiny I have to say uh, but I was born um, in 1951 I was born into a, a middle class family my parents didn't have time they had their own things to do they were teachers, intellectuals and so for a small child there needed to be a nanny uh, a woman who could take care of the little girl And for me, for years, until I was about 14, 15 years old, a lady from Kolfosk looked after me, a Latin lady from Valbadia in the Latin area. It was pure love between us. She was really my mother, I can call it like that. And uh, she would she'd tell me all these little stories about her wonderful land, fables, and she would do the refrains sing lots of songs, even lullabies. For me, it was a meeting, a wonderful experience, and, and it was clear to me from when I was little that in Alto Adige, Latin people exist. And then in Merano, once I started school, I realized nobody even knew the existence of an Italian ethnic group. No? And uh, my family, it was different because my parents spent time with other Italian families and there was no problem. But at school, I had for the first time, my first class, which was traumatic, I would say, you know, the separation of the ethnic groups, which was required politically and tragically still is today. 
è andata soprattutto la possibilità di un grande a possibility disappeared a possibility of a great encounter that really in the Tyrolean history has always been around and that after the first world war after the Granvera as the Latin people call it it was it was stopped il recupero di questo Tirolo the salvage of this ancient Tyrolean of this polyphonic Tyrolean, of this Tyrolean land, which has always lived suspended between two cultures, and not between two small cultures, but between the two cultures that made Europe, between the German-speaking and the Italian-speaking voice, between who invented culture in the Mediterranean basin and who brought a non-Roman route. Because it's that... It's that that's the fascination of this clash, that Europe has two great routes. One, which is the classic Mediterranean basin, Greek-Roman, and the other, Nordic, let's call it barbarian, which is the tradition from mostly Germany that wasn't formed culturally from Rome and has another story, another story to think about. Another story with which to connect with the rest of the world. Whereas in Alto Adige, in the Tyrol, what has always fascinated me in the relationship with the world, which is very, very archaic, here is it's quite faint because by now that voice is dying out. The Ladin minority, which isn't influenced by the German tradition, nor by the romantic romance tradition that that is definitely clear but ladin isn't italian ladin is gallo romance and it's the tradition from an archaic italy before rome then they took up the culture of rome because <laughs> the roman legions arrived but they maintained the memory of a, a much more ancient world An unusual trip that I love doing with people that aren't so well prepared is the expedition on Monte Specie. You climb up to Prato Piazza, which is a, a plateau that is really wide and during the summer it's full of cattle. And you can reach the Valandro Refuge, where you can also see the, the fort. Going up the path, which dates back to the First World War, takes about an hour, and we're going up here 300 metres in altitude. We reach the Monte Specie, which is a fantastic point from which you can see 360 degrees of mountains. Starting from the Sesto Dolomites, then we have the Monte Paterno, Paternkofel in Germany, Toblingen Orten, the Tower of Toblin. There are two beautiful reinforced ones, the three tops, Drezinen, the Cadini, we can see the Cristallo group, we have the Tofane, the Crodorossa, Her Geisel, the Peak of Valandro, Dürrenstein, Sikofel, the Croda del Becco, and we can also see Monte Cavallo. 
We are inside the natural park Fanes and Espraes with Paul Videsot. Per qualcuno che va, per esempio, nel parco naturale di Fanes and Espraes, there's a connection between this area and these legends. If you go, for example, to the Fanes-Senes-Braes Natural Park, it's impossible not to think of the legends of Fanes. In this natural park, there's a mountain called Croda Rossa. A Ladin naturally thinks about its legend which says that the mountain turned red. Because Princess Maltina, at a certain moment, became ashamed and had turned red. And the territory, having a close relationship with its people, became red as well. So it's clear how all these legends have a strong connection with the territory and therefore are an expression of Ladin's way of thinking and of living that, in my opinion, expresses this culture through images and also through sounds. Questo è il gruppo del Sella, questa è la Val di Mezdi che si fa anche con gli sci in inverno. This is the Sella group. This is the Mezdi Valley, which can also be explored on skis during the winter. My name is Simon Kostner. I live at the villa in Valbadia. I was born and raised in a bed and breakfast, so I've always been in direct contact with tourists. Over the years, I've nurtured the desire to communicate, to convey my culture to tourists, to those who aren't familiar with my culture, because I realize that when you don't know something at all or so well, and it happens not to know things, well, that's from where misunderstandings and prejudices start. It's better avoiding these situations. I found out that in my case a very useful tool for sharing my culture is the language of theatre, in all its forms, especially the narrative one. I tell about myself so that who listens to my stories can experience concretely what it means to live here, to be born and raised here, in the midst of this land, these mountains, among these people. We're in the woods, at the base of the Gardena Pass, quite a sparse forest of larches, firs, mountain pines. We're at about 1,700 meters above sea level. The Gardena Pass in Laden Jou de Frara 
is right at the entrance of the Val di Mezdi, which is a very striking valley that splits the cellar group, which lies behind us, in two. These places have inspired our ancestors. Legend has it that the Salvans and the Ganes lived in these very places. But who are they? We can say that the Salvans and the Ganes were the savages, those who were somewhere in between civilization and wilderness. The Salvans are male figures, while the Ganes are female figures. They lived by their wits in the woods. Some imagine them as big and tall. Others imagine them as small as dwarfs. The legend leaves room for creativity in different versions. There's something about legends that goes beyond the mere story. There's something that moves you from the inside. I can see it from the energy that is created when I tell these legends. They're so fascinating, even for who's not from here. They transmit the same strength. Mi piace anche proprio chiamarlo un filo diretto con i nostri antenati. I like to call it a direct line to our ancestors. A school, throughout the year, we take part in different school projects which are designed to directly value the heritage of the legends and Latin culture of these valleys. These projects try to give an idea of the entities and characters that not everybody knows and to stimulate, without doubt, the creativity and imagination of everyone. For example, behind my house, not too far away, there is a small lake that has a toponym which is rather unusual. It's called the Lake of the Witches. And when we were little kids, we used to go and collect frog spawn in order to have little frog spawn at home, and then we would take them back to the lake once they were big enough. Each one of us had its own story, its own theory about the toponym and this well-hidden lake in the woods, in the middle of this ancient and very tall trees. Everyone thought about what they had heard at school, about the legends that they'd heard at home. And in some way, it added to their own story about the Witch's Lake. We also tried, though, to be big and mature and not to be scared off by these stories or by these toponyms of this kind. But the truth is that every time we went to the Witch's Lake, Maybe it because the light that filtered in or for the fact that it was really hidden away and difficult to find. Anyone, as soon as they arrived, looked around alertfully, looking for some sign that the witches had passed through.
Il mito va avanti a immagine. A myth is carried on with imagery. During the storytelling of a fable or a legend, whatever it is, is painted above all by an imago, and this imago is never questioned again. I'll make an example, a simple one that is regarding one of the foundation myths of the Dolomites, which is the myth of the Montipalidi. The myth of the Montipalidi, I think, is extremely well known. Sinarra the story goes that many years ago the kingdom of the Dolomites was pretty flourishing here people lived from agriculture and hunting the mountains however were black like in the rest of the world there was a prince who really wanted to go to the moon then one night when he fell asleep while looking for his way home from one of his wanderings in the woods he dreamed that he was on the moon and met the moon princess there as you can imagine, when he wakes up, his desire to go to the moon is even greater. Now there's also someone on the moon. His first impulse is to immediately pick up a bunch of rhododendrons. While he's collecting the flowers, he hears voices and meets two gentlemen who, upon introducing themselves, turn out to be actually from the moon and are just on their way back. The prince begs them to take him with them to the moon. Sure, they say, and so they do. The prince gets to the moon and notices that over there everything is silver and shining. The prince of the kingdom of the Dolomites sees the princess. She's actually the princess from his dream. He gives her the rhododendrons and the two just fall in love. Shortly after, the prince and princess get married. He takes her down to his kingdom in the Dolomites and all seems to be well. But after a few days, the princess starts to miss the moon. So she tells the prince that the thing she misses the most about her home are those silver and shining colors this moonlight environment where she'd always lived. She feels oppressed by these black, dark and gloomy mountains, as if they can fall on her at any moment. The princess gets sick, and it becomes clear to everyone in the kingdom that she cannot stay there anymore. The two star-crossed lovers are both unhappy being apart, the princess on the moon, the prince down on earth. So the prince starts wandering again. One night, he finds shelter in a cave during a storm. Here he meets the king of the Salvans, and they tell each other their own story. The king of the Salvans tells him that he and his people were expelled from their kingdom, so he's fleeing and looking for a new home. The prince tells him about his love for the princess and their happy marriage. Then the Salvan says, I think I can help you, but if I succeed bringing back your wife, then you'll have to give me a piece of your kingdom. 
we've got a deal, says the prince. So the king of the Salvans waits for the first full moon. He gathers all his people, and they go to the tops of the surrounding mountains, collect all the moonbeams, spin them, and weave a web. It's a gigantic canvas, a canvas made of moonlight, in which they cover the mountains. The next morning, people are astonished. They see a bright, white, pale landscape. The prince immediately runs back to the moon. He says, Princess, look, our worries are over. The princess goes back to Earth, sees the mountains and says, well, now it's even more beautiful here than up there. And they lived happily ever after. Dove salta fuori l'immagine di filare la luce della luna? Where does this image of weaving the light of the moon come from? Where does this image come from? Where does this legend come from? What does it mean, really? What is this vision of the moon? And here now we're entering the myth where, where it's clear that the moon must have an element of magic. The juxtaposition of the weaving of the moonlight is the tradition belonging to the Soregina. Soregina is also herself a vivana, a gana, an element spirit that, after all, is called Soregina, which means the personification of the reflections of the sunlight. In a, in a pond or in a small lake. If you look at, in fact, a pond, you can see these reflections of light, and in this case, not moonlight, but sunlight. And this dance on the water is imagined like the dance of a fairy. The dance of an element spirit that can only live whilst the sun is in the sky. Here are two lines. Soregina is the fairy that dances her hour's life on the water. And when the sun sets, the girl dies, full stop. This is the tradition, but the tradition has been passed on. This simple population, this really archaic population, has passed on for centuries stories that come from the mists of time. And so, at the centre of Europe, a continent that for over 2,000 years reads, writes, and passes on culture to the next, to find a culture that for at least a 1,000 years, at least a 1,000 years, has taken forward their culture orally from generation to generation. That's something quite amazing. If we are going to think that a generation lasts more or less 25 years, so 25 years, then the next grandchild, the next parent, then the grandfather. And so for three generations, there has to be a continuity, otherwise the word isn't passed on. If the grandfather doesn't tell the grandson the stories, then the stories are forgotten. And this is for at least a thousand years. A thousand years are 40 generations. 
In Val di Fassa, for example, another Latin area, a story which has then been luckily fixed into the 1800s, tells the story of a Vivana, of a Ghana, that was offended and who takes revenge. Complicated story. The Vivana who curses and then who frees the unfortunate. And this is written in the name of Rezza. Rezza isn't just any Tom, Dick or Harry. Rezza is the modern version of the ancient divinity Rezia. That the divinity Rezia was revered in the Alps, we know from archaeological discoveries, but nobody can tell me how how come in 1800, a community that tells the story, a tradition that takes watch, as they say, or farveja, uh, when television didn't even exist yet, they, they tell the story of this offended or upset Vivana who gets her revenge, she takes back her curse and frees the unfortunate in the name of Reza. The Val di Fassa is very Catholic. It reveres the Holy Father, all the saints, Jesus, Mary, but not Rezza. Clearly this name is set in stone. It has been passed on and it has been repeated again and again and again. And so if you ask, who is this Rezza? I don't know, maybe it's a ghost. Uh, it will be in the name of one of um, another of those witches, perhaps, I don't know, but it has been passed on. This is, is just to say that we have a little bit of proof that the traditions, as we know them, and the ones that have been collected since the beginning of the 19th century, are certainly forged by those who collected them. Because evidently we are in the 19th century by now, but the, the nucleus, the, the most central and profound image of these traditions are from traditions of a thousand years ago. And things like that in Europe, I know that from Ireland, it's probably also possible to find something like that in Sicily. But in the center of Europe, it's the only case I know of. Dolomiti Sound Stories is a voice production for Dolomiti Superski. Narrator voices Margherita Menardi and Ulrike Innerkofler. Director Gianluca Stazzi and Paolo Barberi. Original music Gianluigi Gallo. Sound and post-production Gianluca Stazzi. Editing and additional post-production Alessio Abeli. Editorial support Elisa Cozzolino. Producers Andrea Maltagliati and Giovanna Surace. English dubbers Beth McCritton and Marco Quaglia.